Bonjour, howlers. Couple quick warnings before we get started here today. First warning: this podcast contains adult content. There will be some bloody damn cursing. Don't be a pixie. Second warning: this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising universe. If you have not read the books, please consider not listening to the podcast because we'll ruin it for you. And read the bloody damn books. Then come back and then listen, you fucking pixie. Whoa. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Also, we have some social media we'd love to tell you about. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, email, howlerpod at gmail.com. That's H-O-W-L-E-R-P-O-D. Just look us up. We're there. Google it because we're on Google. And you can rate and review the podcast. We would appreciate a five-star review. Five stars only or else I'll sick Ragnar on you. Yeah, there will be pain and punishment for anything that's less than five stars. He might bring you presents, though. (laughs) (laughs) And now, Howler Pod. I tried words with him. Tried using our friendship to make him see reason. But since I've been back, I've seen him respond to things only with violence and force. So now, I'll speak his bloody damn language. Hello, Howlers. Welcome to Howler Pod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising series by... Howler number one, Pierce Brown. I am your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today by the lovely Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. We are here to talk to you guys about this book called Morningstar. Chapters 13 to 18. It's episode three of the Morningstar reread, chapters 13 through 18. It's very exciting. And guess who comes back? This is a good set of chapters. Let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully we don't shit our suits. Part two, Rage. Chapter 13, Howlers. That's us. A group of reds and a green watch from the side of the gym while Darrow and Victra work out. Victra is pressing... Working on my fitness. (laughs) Some Fergie. Victra is pressing like 600 pounds and doesn't want help because she's bae. No spots, man. No spots. Darrow and Victor have been regaining their strength since Mickey had come back and carved them a few months ago. And then besides working out and regaining their lost weight, Darrow and Victor plus Holiday have been going on small missions to regain their sense in the field and to prove themselves ready to join slash rejoin the Howlers. And they move their way up from No Squad to the B Squad, which is the Pit Vipers, Mm -hmm. before they can move up to the Howlers. Mm -hmm. So after Victor and Daryl finish their workout, they go into the showers. They're talking about how Victor thinks that Deanna hates her. And Daryl's like, maybe you should be more polite. Victor's (laughs) like, I am polite. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) So Victor finishes her shower and exits. And then Daryl finishes up walking out of the shower and he sees Victra hogtied on the floor with a hood over her head. Before he can react, there are half a dozen ghost cloaks he can see through the steam and somebody jumps Darrow. Darrow's like freaking out because mm-hmm. he thinks that the jackal has found them He's out. He's like, gold! Golds are yeah, here! Like screaming like a little <laughs> bitch. <laughs> But he fights back ferociously. He injures a bunch of people. He like almost breaks someone's neck, but is then overwhelmed by their numbers and has his own hands bound with a hood shoved over his head. Darrow is panicking, but then he hears someone say, bloody damn, it's the Howlers. Yay, prank. <laughs> They've come for new recruits. Victra is super pissed. But when they bring Holiday in, also tied up, she's grinning and super excited. Freaking psycho. Because Holiday's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but remember, Victor's like totally naked. She's just like yeah. pissed. Her nose is broken. Um, so then the ritual commences. They force the three to drink some nasty alcohol that gets them all super wasted. 
Then they make them eat a bucket full of cockroaches, and there's a pet viper in there. <laughs> and Holiday chows down while Victor and Darrow both puke before they're able <laughs> to eat theirs. Basically, Holiday is the best. Oh, I love them. They're just looking at like, what the fuck? They're like, Holiday's <laughs> insane. Um, so once they're all finished, they're each given a new wolf cloak. They all howl. Then Nero and Dancer come in like, what the fuck? <laughs> they see like guts from the bugs and they're all naked and wet and weird. But they came to tell them that there's news. They found out who the Jackal's silent partner is, allegedly. It's Quicksilver. Operation Black Market is a go. That takes us to chapter 14, The Vampire Moon. Great chapter name. The Howlers arrive on Phobos. The larger of Mars's moons. It is a barren rock carved hollow by man with multiple large ship docks and buildings sticking out of it like a pincushion. The howlers are disguised as obsidians and use their contacts and Sons of Ares connections to make their way through the docks using the maintenance tunnels and shafts and all the secret ins and outs. While they do this, they are exposed to the dark underbelly of the moon as well as the society. They see the suffering and pain it causes the low colors. We get a lot of little like glimpses at how shitty it is to be a low color, pretty much. And how <laughs> shitty the Julii company has been. Right. They finally make their way to a garage for garbage disposal haulers. And once there, they find a small army of 600 plus sons waiting for them. Severo addresses the army as the other howlers reveal the cargo they brought with them. It's mining explosives. Severo tells them they are here to blow some shit up. Chapter 15, The Hunt. The crew are in the back of a trash collector. It dumps them out above Quicksilver's tower, and they use their magnetic gloves and shoes to stick to the side of his building. But Darrow bounces, and he almost floats away to his death like a rookie. But Victor grabs his ankle and pulls him back in. While on the side of the building, they see a distant explosion. And then, according to the gold news that they see on the data pad, it's a terrorist attack by the Red Legion. But they can't worry about that now. They all break in at the museum area with fancy artifacts, and they make their way through the building. Pebble isn't able to pinpoint Quicksilver like she had planned, and Darrow then hails Severo on a private comm, saying they shouldn't wander the building. But Severo's like, nah, dude. And then they push on. It's like, I got this. Severo's like, we're fine. Calm down, you little pixie. <laughs> they move forward. Darrow is feeling like something is amiss because there are no servants or guards outside of Quicksilver's bedroom suite. He hails Severo again, saying they should pull out. But Severo's like, nah, dude, pixie. We got this. Shut up, reap. And then he says, smash, grab, and go. And they enter the suite. That takes us to chapter 16, Paramore. The Howlers enter Quicksilver's room and see a man sleeping in the bed. It's not Quicksilver, though. Instead, it's a pink Mateo. Hey, Mateo, what's up? Darrow doesn't see that it is his old teacher at first, and Severo begins to torture the pink for information as the other Howlers watch. When Darrow hears Mateo's voice, he recognizes his old teacher and implores Severo to stop his torture, but Mateo reaches for a data pad in order to sound an alarm, and before he is able to, Severo punches him, breaking his jaw and knocking him out. Daryl can feel that something is wrong. He doesn't understand why Mateo would be here. He's the son of Ares, after all. The Howlers then use the data pad to find out that a large order of food and drinks has been sent to room C-19. Severo doesn't take the time to consider any options and decides to punch forward into the room, warning signs be damned. The Howlers dispatch a security team and burst into the room where they find Quicksilver, an assortment of coppers and silvers, and six fucking golden knights in full pulse armor. Yeah. <laughs> Bad idea, Severo. And guess what? We know all of them. We've got the Death Knight. We've got Moira, all Grimace. We've got Cassius. OMG! Oh, Ben, it's your butt buddy. <laughs> We've got Kavox. We've got Doxo. Ah, Telemannus. And wait for it. My wife. <laughs> We've got fucking Mustang. Boop, 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 boop. 
I love her so much. <laughs> She's so I really great. missed her, and I, I think she was happy to see me, too. <laughs> I'm sure she was. So, Mustang's there. Chapter 17, Killing Golds. Hold your fire, Darrow shouts, but Severo is screaming at the golds. On the ground, or we waste you. Cassius starts creeping forward, all confident, his hands on his razor. Victor's like, get your hand away. And he's like smiling at Everybody him. get down. Yeah. Cassius doesn't stop moving. Um, Darrow is telling several on the private comm that they need to use stun weapons because, hello, it's Mustang, his girlfriend of times past and futures. <laughs> But Severo jams Darrow's output signal, meaning Darrow can no longer talk to anybody, which is super dangerous. Yeah, not good. Not good. Cassius lunges. Ragnar skewers the Death Knight through the forehead with his razor. Super badass. Kavox roars his name, of course, charging forward with Daxo. Waste him, Severo snarls. Everyone starts fighting each other, and it's super epic, and you have to read it. (laughs) Moira gets totally melted. Because she sucks. <laughs> then Ragnar is beating up the Telemannises, just Ragnar against the two giants. <laughs> yeah. And they're like confused why they're not winning. <laughs> yeah. And then Mustang starts kicking Darrow's ass until she headbutts him and his helmet cracks away. She freezes when he, she sees his face. Cassius flees. Victor chases after him until Severo brings her back in. Mustang pulls back and tells the Telemannises to come with her. But Darrow traps Kavox as they are exiting, wrapping his razor around his neck. Before Mustang flees, she says to Darrow, I have the pack. Orion is alive. <laughs> Chapter 18, Abyss. The Howlers regroup after the shit show that was that battle. They have Kavox prisoner and also have Quicksilver now, plus Mateo in tow. Now they need to figure out their escape. The sirens are wailing and a group of obsidian guards are cutting through the wall and will be inside the room any minute. It was only by pure luck that a fallen column blocked the door where the obsidian guards were, or they would have already been in the room, causing serious damage to our howler friends. Darrow and Severo snipe at each other. Darrow is upset with Severo's recklessness. Severo also tries to kill Kavox, but Darrow won't let him, saying they can use him as a bargaining chip. Also, he's like, dude, I got this thing with Mustang. Like, and you like cannot tele- kill her best friend. The Telemannises <laughs> are totally Darrow's friends. Severo's way out of line here. Severo wants to try and fight through the halls of the building and get out that way, but there are already 100-plus guards swarming the area. Darrow takes control, forcing the Howlers to choose his leadership over Severo's. They fall in line, even Severo, but he's way, way bitter about it. Daryl forms a plan and has Victra tie them all together with her rope while Pevel gives Holiday their coordinates and has her position their getaway ship outside the windows of the room. They're going to blow the window, get sucked out into space, and then have Holiday pick them up. You know, just that's totally going to work. <laughs> <laughs> just before they are about to go for it, the head of security for Quicksilver. Just before they are about to go for it, the head of security for Quicksilver comes over a comm telling them they have five seconds to surrender. Howler's going to howl. They obviously don't. But before they are able to shoot out the window, the security team jacks up the gravity of the room, making everyone so heavy they can barely move. Ragnar, because he's a fucking beast, uses all his strength to level his arm and shoot out the window with his pulse fist, and the Howlers and their hostages are sucked out into the vacuum of space, all howling wildly as they go. All except one, Severo. He's being such a little bitch. <laughs> he's a sad he's a sad boy. Sad cookie. <laughs> all right. That was what happened this week in our chapter summaries. Yes. Now that we know what happened, let's talk about the theme that ties them all together. This week's theme is... The Burden of Leadership. Wow. This sounds heavy. It is heavy upon <laughs> Severo's shoulders because he sure. has little pixie shoulders. Yes, and I think throughout all the chapters we see like how much Severo is not only struggling with being a leader, but also just like with the death of his dad and like the expectations that have been thrust upon him. It's really tough. And I want to preface that I don't think Severo is a pixie, but he is acting like one. Right. When Darrow's trying to like 
retake the reins from him. Well, this isn't what he signed up for, too. You know, like he mm-hmm. he really cares about the Howlers. Obviously, like that runs through him very deeply. But right, like, they're his family. But this isn't necessarily like his war, his dream, and it's not really, you know, what he he signed up to fight for. Right, it's I mean, his dad's thing, and right. then also Darrow's. And obviously, he believes in it, and you know, obviously, he believes in Darrow, and and he believes in like they need to break the society or whatever because it's just this big machine. But it's also like he's not the guy that signed up to lead the entire mission, you know. So he's not made for that. And it's really evident kind of in these chapters. And we see also Daryl gaining his confidence back. He starts out in these chapters very unsure of himself. But by the end, we pretty much, we've got our Daryl back. But he's a newer, smarter, more prepared version of Daryl. Stella's got her groove back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he went to Jamaica and had sex with a 20-year-old boy. <laughs> boy. <laughs> and got his groove back. <laughs> So, to kind of illustrate how the burden of leadership is really evident in these chapters, we'll Mm -hmm. tell you some quotes. Got some quotes, obviously, to support that. That's what we do here at Hallerpod. That is what we do here. So, first is Darrow's inner monologue. He's saying, Mm -hmm. I feel like a terrorist. I've only felt this way once before, and that was with a bomb on my chest walking into the gala on Luna. Dancer and Theodora have been pressing Severo to reach out to more allies, trying to bridge the gap between the Suns and other factions. Reluctantly, Severo agreed. Yeah, we can see that the Suns are kind of maybe losing the their way a little bit, losing what their ultimate mission is. And they're losing clout with the people around them, mm-hmm. not only through the gold propaganda against them all, but also they're not even linked up with the other red people, the red legion. Mm-hmm. So they're all fractured and everyone's like, we need more power. We need more people. Like we have to bridge the gap between all these reds. Right. And specifically this mission really puts like a stress point on not only Severo's leadership, but just his and Darrow's relationship, because at this point they've got to figure it out. Like this is a highly important mission and we've got situations where Severo doesn't think Darrow's ready, and Darrow's like, I can't, I don't think Severo's in the right headspace. I don't, I don't think that I can really trust him to pull this out right. correctly. Yeah, Darrow's conscience is like eating he's away. He's changed, obviously, and he yeah. says that. We'll have a quote on that later on, but Darrow is talking with Victor at one point, and she, sa- she says, you don't agree with Severo's plan, do you? Darrow talks to himself, and he's saying, kidnapping Quicksilver will get us intel and access to vast weapons factories, but Severo's play against the economy is more concerning. Severo kept the sons alive. I didn't, so I'll follow his lead. Victor says, I wonder when you started believing grit and vision were the same thing. So even Victor, who loves Severo, (laughs) (laughs) Is still saying, like, grit and vision are different, and Severo is all grit. Right. And this is down when they are kind of going through the bowels of uh, Phobos, and so they're seeing a lot of the fallout. Seeing all the reds starving and doing right. stim shots. And Daryl's like, well, holy shit, if we blow up this and, you know, blow up a bunch of this moon and stop all this helium-3 production, like, what's really going to happen to all these people? They're going to be the ones that are suffering. Yeah, there's going to be is more people society, stuck there. Right. Like, is the society, is it worth it at that point? It's just those questions that they're asking. And that's what Daryl is trying to figure out at this point. Right. He doesn't want to be a terrorist. Right. So what Ben just said, the quote from the book is, When we leave, life will return to this place. But after we plant the bombs we've brought with us, I'd voice my concerns to Severo, but he's a driven arrow, as dogmatic as I once was. And to question him aloud seems a betrayal of our friendship. He's always trusted me blindly. So am I the worst friend for having doubts in him? And then we can kind of see just like how much Severo has lost control of this war. And that's when they're stuck on the side of the building out there and they see those nukes explode and he has no idea what's going on. 
Right. They're and all like looking at Severo like, who is that? And yeah. he's like, I don't know. Could be us. Could be them. Darrow's thinking, how could he not know? I want to shout. But I grasp the answer because Dancer's words now haunt me. Severo's not running this war, he told me, weeks ago after another failed Howler mission. He's just a man pouring gas on the fire. Maybe I didn't understand how far gone this war is, how far reaching the chaos has become. Damn. Yeah. This is bleak. Right. And then it kind of evolves into a real personal Severo kind of versus Darrow. They're going back and forth, sniping at each other a lot throughout the rest of the mission. Darrow keeps kind of pushing, like, I don't think we should be doing this. Right. And Severo has no reason why they're pushing on besides they, you know, don't want to ruin all that intel. Right. And, yeah, because he's put so much into this mission. Like, he's, like he said, they're extremely invested in this. They had, like, 13 prior operations just to get to this point. Mm -hmm. Severo's not willing to let it go. And multiple times this happens throughout these chapters where Darrow's basically like calling Severo's line personally where there it's just them talking to each other and Severo either won't listen to what he says or cuts him off. He says, I cue Severo's personal line so the others can't hear us. We can't wander around looking for him. If we're caught in the halls without leverage, we won't wander. He cuts me off before addressing the howlers. So Severo keeps kind of putting his foot down Mm -hmm. and pushing Darrow to the side basically saying like i'm in charge like stop worrying mm-hmm. darrow is recognizing that there is a trap because it's like something's amiss obviously there's no guards there's no servants this isn't like a normal operation and the quote is this isn't a home it's a stage made to manipulate sinister in the cold calculation with which it was constructed i don't like it i key severo's frequency again Something's wrong here. Where are the servants, the guards? I think it's a trap. And then Severo says, pull back. He snaps the question out. For all we know, they just drop nukes on our people. We need this. I try to interrupt, but he steamrolls me. Shit, I've run 13 ops just to get intel on this silvery asshole. We leave now. That's all slagged. They'll know we were here. We don't have this chance again. He's the key to getting the jackal. you got to trust me, Reap. Do you? And, and he ends up saying, I do. But it's just like, at that point... But he doesn't. Right, he doesn't. And uh, we also see, like, Daryl questioning some of Severo's methods as a leader, where he's kind of realizing, holy shit, like, this has gotten to a point where this is not who I want to be or what I want this revolution to be. And, and Severo's just out of control. Exactly. And that's with Mateo. So they've cut Mateo off the bed and he started interrogating him and torturing him, you know, like trying to inflict some pain. And Darrow notes, I flinch at the coldness in this voice, knowing the tone all too well, hearing it from the jackal as he tortured me in Attica. The howlers watched the to- torture in silence, bent, faceless stains in the dark room there's no discussion no moral question at play i know they've done this before i feel dirty at the realization that's like i think that's a really telly line right there yeah so darrow is very empathetic and he's seeing how horrible they're all being and Mm -hmm. he's seeing the lack of humanity in the whole group right and uh another thing that happens throughout these chapters is the Howlers are kind of mixed up with who they're looking to for leadership. Right. Like, ultimately, they know Severo's in charge, but multiple times a Howler, especially Ragnar, does it, like, twice, where he's like, Reaper, like, what do you think? Or what what are you feeling? Because I think Ragnar also realizes that what they're doing is wrong. And then Clown also is taken aback when his comms are cut. Clown is like, he cut your comms? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? That's another good catch. They're kind of... Like, clowns even, like, that's not cool. Because even though they're following Severo, like, ultimately, they realize Darrow is, like, the main leader. Yeah, so we've got a couple instances of that where it's just, like, Ragnar says, Reaper, what do you think? And Darrow tries to say, it could be a trap. I say, we need to adjust. But Victra is also kind of going along with Severo at this Mm -hmm. point. And she's laughs scornfully, cutting me off. Even if it is a trap, Luke, who we're packing, will punch through that shit. And Severo, of course, is bloody damn right, Julia. 
And so their love blossoms. Right. And then when they actually do punch into that room, everybody's staring at each other. And they all know each other, obviously, at this point. But they don't know who has just come into the room, like Mustang and them. Pebble asks, what do we do? And then she says, Reaper? Yeah, they're like, hey, Darrow, this is over all of our heads. And then what does Severo say? He says, I claim the Bologna. It's revenge. Exactly. He doesn't, he can't. It doesn't matter at that point to him, like what the smart decision is or anything like that. He sees right. blood, and it's like it's time to get that revenge. It's interesting too, because when Darrow eventually takes the lead, Severo's like, "You better not let any of them die," because ultimately, all Severo cares about is that his friends stay alive. Yeah. But he's the one who's like leading them to their deaths at this point. Right. He has this deep connection to the Howlers, but. His kind of self-doubt and the sadness over his father and, like, wanting to get revenge for that has just really just blinded him at this point. Like, he just, Mm -hmm. he thinks that the violence is the only way out, really. Like, that's all he sees. Just keep cutting through. Yeah, he's just like, we've got to destroy, destroy, destroy. You see that with him trying to kill Kavox. Like, he says, he's the enemy. Like, you, this is war. You kill your enemies. Right. And Daryl's like, no, we have to be smarter than that. And also, this is Pax's freaking dad, man. And Kavox isn't an enemy. I know. He has jelly beans. <laughs> uh, and then that, yeah, that kind of takes us to the point where Darrow takes over. And mm-hmm. he gets cut off by Severo during the fight, so he can't communicate with the other howlers. And he has this moment of realization during the battle where he's like, all these people have been brought together by me. He said, and it's only now, only with this terrifying clarity that I realize that there is only one common thread that binds them. It's not the idea, not my wife's dream, not trust or alliances or color. It's me. And without me, this is what they will do. Without me, this is what Severo has been doing. I have to stop it. So this is the first point where Darrow kind of sucks it up and decides like, even though I love Severo, I have to put him down, basically. Right. And I have to take over. Because otherwise, they're all just going to kill each other. Well, they're going to run into a room full of 100 guards, and they're all going to die. Yep. And and this is kind of the point where our next quotes are just where it has really come to a head. Darrow says, you cut my comms. I interrupt angrily. You were acting a bitch, confusing my men. <laughs> Uh, is what Severo replies with. And Daryl says, acting a bitch? The hell is wrong with you? I was using my head instead of just shooting everything. We could have done without murdering half the damn room. His eyes are darker and crueler than those of the friend I remember. Yeah, Severo's in a dark place. This a lot is, has changed. This is dark Severo. And you can't really blame him. It's like we were talking about in the previous pod and a little bit earlier on this pod. It's just like his dad was murdered. And, and he got uh, all this thrown on him right when... Darrow disappears. And also, basically, he thinks his best friend is pretty dead, like, pretty much dead. Like, he won't give up hope, but, like, for all intents and purposes. But everyone else thinks he's dead. Yeah, he thinks his best friend is dead. So he lost, like, not only his father, but his best friend and the leader of the group that he is a part of. And he is immediately thrust into a leadership role that he didn't ask for and he's not created for. It's not what he, that's not what Severo does well. And so it's no surprise that he struggles with this, mm-hmm. but you still got to feel for him in this moment because, like, he's obviously just been really affected by this war, and he's trying his best, but it's the way he knows, good. yeah, what he knows is just not not what this war needs. Yeah. So then, uh, finally, Darrow is like, I'm taking over. And the quote is, he says, no, I'll not let Severo's short-sightedness ruin us. Slag that, I say. Pebble, hail holiday. Pebble doesn't reach for her data pad. She glances at Severo, torn between us, not knowing who to follow. I'm back, I say. Now do it. Do it, Pebble. <laughs> Ragnar backs him up at that point, and they they start moving forward. But I just love Daryl being like, I'm back. Like, I'm back. Yeah. You can trust me now. Yep. And then it says, the rest of the howlers look to me, and it hurts knowing I've made them choose like this. Yep. And I like how Darrow also later on says, like, they've put their trust in me. The Howlers have put their trust in Darrow, where Severo was incapable of doing that. And it's just because I think 
he cares about the Howler's life so much that he doesn't trust Darrow yet in this point to be like the leader of the mission. Well, Andy's been out of the loop for like a year or more while he's regaining his strength and everything. Right. And that's where he has that conversation. Like if you, if you get them killed, I'll never forgive you. And he said that that'll make two of us. Yeah. Darrow's like, I feel the same way. You're about to get us killed. Right. (laughs) So then they break open a window and fly into space. And then the the final quote that we have is just Daryl saying, after he's all after all he's done, I make them choose me over him. When he doesn't trust I'm ready, it's an indictment of his leadership, a validation of the intense self doubt I know he must feel in the wake of his father's passing. And that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier. Right. Like De- Servo's dealing with so much right now. But at this point it's like we have to have Daryl take over in this moment or else we're all gonna die. And it's, you know, a testament to Darrow's depth of character that he, like, sees all of this going on, mm-hmm. and he feels Severo's pain, but at the same time, he's like, you know, we're not terrorists. We can't keep just blowing shit up and punching through walls. Right, and they just don't have another option. Yeah. It's like, Darrow takes over, or we die type situation. Exactly. So, that was the burden of leadership. That's this week's theme. It's very heavy. It's been explored. We have explored it. <laughs> All right. That takes us to the Prime Five, which is five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. Show is. So one of the best Prime Fives, uh, obviously, is Ragnar. And this is when Ragnar shows up <laughs> in the gym. Uh, this is kind of a passing story in the the first of these chapters and basically Ragnar walks in without a word. He piles on all of the weights that will fit (laughs) onto the barbell and then he power cleans it, drops it and walks out. (laughs) And (laughs) And, like Victor, I can't even pick it up. Yeah. Victor can't pull it off the ground. And then Darrow can only bring it up to his knees and like can't power clean it. And then (laughs) all the low colors like leave chanting Ragnar's name. I love that. Just like there's going crazy for him. Right. And then <laughs> yeah. we find out that Uncle Nero like bet against Darrow. And it's interesting too, because Darrow's saying it's good that gold didn't win. Because right. like the other colors need to see that gold doesn't win everything. Yes. I love that Ragnar is just this folk hero. Right. And Tinas. The shield of Tinas. But yeah. yeah, him just poning them on the <laughs> with the barbell. I thought that was awesome. Right. Good one. Okay, the next one on our list. I wanted to talk about Darrow's self-awareness and reflection in these chapters. Like he is extremely self-aware. I love the way we get to see Darrow work through all of this because I think in the first, you know, in the first couple chapters, he's like very unsure of himself. He asks himself, like, was I this scared for a mission during was I this scared during the Iron Rain? It's like, I don't even recognize myself anymore. Right. But this is just a new Daryl. Like, this is a Daryl that's been laid low. He has experienced the ultimate. More reason to fear. Exactly. (laughs) And it it helps him. Ultimately, it makes him a better leader. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he talks about that, too, because he talks about how Severo made this plan. They punched into the room. He's like, I totally would have done this a year ago. That would this would have been me. This would have been exactly what I was doing, right. and I would have gotten everybody killed, just like this mission almost ended with. And he's like, "I'm not that person anymore." And I just love his reflection and self awareness throughout all these chapters. You can see him like working through everything, and he doesn't want to step on Severo, but when he has to, he has to step up, and there's no other option, and so he does. Ultimately. This is good for the Howlers, too, to kind of go through this change of leadership through turmoil. We obviously, in the future chapters, will see even more fighting with Severo and Darrow, but it also brings them closer. Yeah, they they eventually work it out, obviously. And Darrow's self-awareness and reflection also goes into that next fight where... Darrow like really feels Severo's pain and he, he wants Severo to like open up to him. So it's good that Darrow isn't just bulldozing everyone because you can't have two people bulldozing everyone. Right. And I think it plays into just like the way that Darrow strategizes in the future. He tries to not be, you know, he tries to take into account like his friendships and, you know, helping and like 
what is going to come next. He tries to think about all that type of stuff when he's doing his battles, but I don't know. Sometimes he's not successful at it, but right. We've, we're at least thinking about it now, which is good. That's good. Darrow. Yeah. Yes. So one thing I wanted to talk about <laughs> was the love blossom yes. with Severo and Victra. <laughs> this is amazing. So there's so many little Easter yeah. egg, like fun little tidbits For in sure. here about Severo and Victra and kind of how their relationship is developing. So like one, yeah. One if you're the, looking for it, it's there. Oh, and I love it, and I'm <laughs> looking for it. One of the like first ones where you're like, oh my god, <laughs> is when uh they're in the howler initiation, initiation mm-hmm. howler initiation. Victor like won't let anyone help her up, even though she's like so shit faced, can't stand up, mm-hmm. until Severo comes over and he helps her up and she lets him help her up. And then he drapes her wolf cloak over her and like their eyes linger and they like lingering eye contact. They like take an extra moment before like <laughs> stepping to the side together. And you're like, oh my God, <laughs> she loves him. And then also like Victor during all the fighting is continuously backing Severo up mm-hmm. and um, Severo's like helping her up. They're just. They've kind of got each other's backs. And when they're getting sucked out the window, she catches him. Yeah, she wraps her legs around him. Mm-hmm. They're also kind of agreeing throughout the entire thing. And right. Severo's like leaning on Victor a little bit. Like he's putting her in positions where like Daryl bounces off the wall and he's like, Victor, like grab, grab him. him. Or, and then it's like, Victor and Ragnar, go ahead and, you know, punch yeah. through this. Or you lead us, that type of stuff. She, well, she's like the baddest ass. Also... Uh, we got to point out that Victor mentions that she likes Rollo's goatee. Uh huh. And Severo's like, "Oh, you like you like goatees?" I just wanted to see a picture. I just wanted to see like a little like uh, like Severo just like leaning aside, like having a thought to himself, like, "Okay." Like, "Oh, goatees, nice, yeah, yeah. totally." Like, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's real cute knowing like the future and now right. kind of reliving these beginning moments. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, the next one on our list is go ahead and just drink because it's Pierce's writing again. Oh, (laughs) wait, is that the author? (laughs) I wanted to talk about the lead up to the fight in the conference room or whatever. Yeah. Dude, this chapter is amazing. Like, I was raving about it to Aaron before we started the podcast today. Yeah, he was texting me, and I was like, I already read it. <laughs> Catch up, Ben. But I'm telling you, this is like, this is gala level type shit here. There's so much tension. Yeah. And the way that this just like amps up, and everybody in the room is like, you know, got their hand on their gun, but like, no, and everybody's Cassius like staring keeps at each moving other. And they're like, oh my God, Cassie is such a badass. You love Cassius. <laughs> I just love Cassius like slinking through, like and like using the silvers as yeah as bodyguards. His razors slithering out on his arm, and everybody's like, "Stop moving! Stop moving! Don't move! Get on the ground right now!" He's just like walking through. He doesn't even care. Right. <laughs> it's all tense. And besides Cassius moving, like Kavox's helmet slithering on. Oh yeah. Mustang's just pulse like, fist is like gaining yeah. power it's like amping up it's just like the way that pierce builds that tension and then it just pops and it's ragnar throwing a razor through someone's head and Severo's like wasted <laughs> yeah and then everybody's just like <laughs> <laughs> yeah the death knight not very deadly <laughs> yeah and then several just waste them and Mora melts. I love that. Oh, yeah. When we get a... And, and I love Darrow saying, I wish it was Asha. Yeah, me too. Because then, <laughs> you know, Ragnar would still be with us. But even better is just like, we also have to talk about Sever- or Darrow and Mustang fighting each Dude, other. sexual so great. tension. Oh, my gosh. Se- Mustang's like kicking his ass. And yeah. I was like, he's loving this. <laughs> I was here for it. I was like, go, Mustang, go. <laughs> and and Daryl like doesn't want to hurt her, but he's like, she's going to kill me and not even know who I am. Right. I love how she's just like working it. And then like at the very end, it's like his helmet. She's like. She says, Darrow? Yeah. Her and, helmet like, slizzes off, but she's just like in the middle of like the bloodlust of battle. Uh-huh. And then just like has this like moment of realization where it's like, she's like, Darrow. I watched you die. And he's yeah. like. Hey, girl. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hi. <laughs> Missed you. 
It's so bay. I so love great. Mustang. I what a love, badass. Yeah, I just love those two. Mustang is such a freaking badass. And then um, she has to leave Kavox. That's yeah. like heart-wrenching. Yeah. Because he's like, go Mustang, flee. Yeah. But I think she trusts Darrow in that situation, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Because he's clearly not killing Kavox because he could have immediately killed him and he didn't. Mm-hmm. He's just like, I need to hold on to Mustang somehow and this is how I'm going to do it. Right. Anyway, just if you're not rereading and just listening, just I would suggest go back and just rereading that chapter. It's amazing. Because it's fucking awesome. I'm telling yeah, you. You can't even like describe it. It's almost as good as Gala. Gala Gala. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to our last part five, which is Holiday. It's a fucking boss. So speaking of <laughs> badass ladies, Holiday is like so hardcore like i'm kind of scared of her she um like comes in smiling as she's like bound for the initiation right because she's just so excited loving it she's eating the shit up then they're all like struggling to chug this like horrible liquid i picture it as being like hot damn have you ever tried to take a shot of hot damn it's terrible have to drink a bottle of it or like what's this stuff with silver flakes in it I don't know. It's terrible. Goldschlegel or something. Goldschlegel. That's, that's got gold flakes in it. Yeah, though. that one. That one sucks. Yeah. Anyways, she's just chugging it, not caring, chugs it down before Darrow, and Victor's like sputtering out. Yeah. Ragnar's like giving her shit, like, child of the sun, drink. <laughs> yes. And but he's loving holiday oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. He's loving holiday. And then holiday, like, the box of bugs comes out, and before they even tell him With what to snake do. With a snake in it. She grabs a pit viper and slams it on the ground <laughs> and then bites into it. And Daryl and Victor are just staring at her like, what, what the, the fuck? And Ragnar's like, she's got the soul of a howler. <laughs> it's just so good. Holiday is so cool. And she's like clearly way more hardcore than these yeah. little golds. And this makes me kind of sad, actually, because there's a theory that she may be like betraying Darrow and Mustang in iron gold like there's i haven't heard that clearly some there well there is somebody there's like a mole on the inside and there's been some talk that it might be holiday (laughs) which would make me very sad that'd be stupid because she's cool in this moment but i think she may be a way to ruin my prime five i'm just saying i'm not it's not i'm not ruining anything okay i'm saying it made me sad too it doesn't make me sad because it's not true hopefully not i hope it's not so that brings us to the Primus of the Week. The one character who conquered our proctors of plot and rose above the rest. Ben, who is our Primus of the Week? It's Darrow. You sound like sad about it. <laughs> it is Darrow because he, you know, really stepped up. He Found manned himself. up. And he had to kind of hurt his best friend's feelings in the process. A little bit. But also saved everyone's lives. He did save everyone's lives. Yeah. So good on him. Including Severo's because he saved Severo from Moira. And from being torn apart in the halls after. And he saved Mateo. And he's just, he has his soul and he's really keeping it intact at this point. Yes. This is kind of our new version of Darrow. You know, less. Softy Darrow. This is, yeah, more of a softy Darrow. But still, like he still has those reaper instincts mm-hmm. at times because like he can he got filled with the rage especially when he was heating up moira and microwaving her and her little microwaving moira <laughs> <pulse> armor. <laughs> she's a microwave he was like now. i'm feeling the blood yeah but. he got a little cold that's okay <laughs> yeah. you need that to be a warrior but ultimately yeah he answers the bell that has to be answered and he doesn't want to hurt Severo. He says that multiple times. But at the same time, like he has no other option. They're going to die otherwise. So Right. He also has really great moments where he kind of starts, you can see some reflection on the toll that society takes on lower colors. He's noted that a lot, obviously. And so I think that kind of aspect of Darrow is interesting to see develop, um, see him kind of He's like talking to a red and he's just like, why didn't you just use a carver to fix yourself? And he's like, carver, man. This fucking he's like, who's who's going to pay for it? Yeah. Daryl's like, oh, yeah, you have to pay yeah. for shit. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, Mickey doesn't just fix everybody. And that's a thought that like, and he also has a conversation with Victor where 
she's looking at like a junkie basically on the ground. She's like, he's given up. He doesn't deserve anything. Anyway. Like that was his choice right. to be a junkie. And Darrow was like, well, he, you know, wasn't born to a rich ass family. Like you were Think yeah. about that for a second. Your privilege, check your privilege. Yeah. Victor gold, you Julii privileged gold. <laughs> <laughs> I can't call Victor, Victor a bitch because I love her. Well, yeah. But, but basically, all of them are really out of touch. Right. And so we can see Darrow getting in touch with that side of himself, also stepping up to the plate when he has to, and taking over the leadership role. So congratulations, Darrow. You won the week. Good job. Good job, protagonist. You know what it's time for? What are we into this week? You go first. I'm into Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Great fucking movie. Great movie. I finally rented it. Ben told me to watch this while it was in theaters, but I missed it. But it's so good. So, so if, good. if you haven't seen it yet, you should rent it. It's a cartoon, computer animated version of Spider-Man. Don't be scared of any of that, though. But it's amazing. And then um, the music and like the sound effects are so dope. Yeah, and uh, animation's really great. It's it's all super great. I yeah. I really loved every minute of it. I cried at one point. <laughs> it was super good. I like want to rewatch it before my forty eight hours. It really is like you don't need to know much about Spider Man going in. And well, I'm sure everyone if you know knows. the basics, yeah, if you know but, the basics, um, it's a new Spider Man. Mm-hmm. I don't want to ruin it, but there's multiple universes and multiple spider-men right it sounds way more complicated than it really is it works really well it's so good yeah i would highly recommend spider-man into the spider verse good call aaron ben what are you into this week i'm into another podcast it's called unspooled and it's just another this is ben being a, a movie nerd so it's these two hosts amy nicholson and paul Shear, and they go through uh, the American Film Institute's top 100 movies, and they do a random one each week and talk about the movie. Uh, they watch it and then break it down and then decide like whether it should be on the list or maybe like uh, if something should replace it or something like that. It's fucking awesome. I, if you like movies, especially like uh, classic movies and Hollywood and you know the film industry and how it works and stuff unspooled is a really cool podcast for any of uh, my film nerds out there cool yes unspooled okay do they talk (laughs) about like all new movies or do they talk about old movies too so there's a list by the american film institute that's the top 100 movies and so they like the year of all time of all time oh okay you have top 100 american movies ever made so they're talking about american movies and it's a list that came out, I don't know, 20 years ago or something like that. Oh, okay. And they just basically like spin a wheel and then whatever number that that hits that week is the movie that they discuss. And then they go through like where they would kind of rank it. They talk about it and then they kind of talk about whether it should be on the list and like uh, some other movies in the genre that maybe you should replace it if, if, so, if they want to or okay. if it should be higher or lower on the list, that type of stuff. Cool. That's great. That takes us to Howler Q&A. From Cat Dark. Hi, Cat. She's from Colorado. Nice. Neighbors. Yeah. Cat says, what makes you think that the, quote, 50 shades of red rising, meaning Mustang <laughs> and Darrow having sex, was the first time that Darrow and Mustang got it on? Darrow talks about Mustang's naked body by the fire and building love in the year after the Institute. I figured they did it then. I'd never really thought about this until she kind of mentioned it. But the only reason that I think it's the first time that they got it on, got it on, had sexual intercourse. Because I feel like it just makes it really seem like that in the books, like in that that chapter. Yeah, I always thought they, that Daryl was holding out on her, especially when Mustang has that whole flirty flirt where she's like in his chambers on the ship right and um she's basically like you need to open up to me and and choose me and daryl's like i can't because he's still holding on to eo at that point right so really it's not until that chapter where they do have sex where he talks about like finally kind of letting go letting go and kind of giving in to mustang right which which is why i feel like he never did anything physical with mustang 
Well, I think they were doing a lot of cuddling in the cave. (laughs) You know, just like sharing sharing some oxytocin, that type of thing. But I think it's pretty clear that the first time they kiss is when he rescues her. Right, and he like grabs her hair. Yeah, at the institute. Yeah. uh, In the. I agree. On Mount Olympus. And so if they hadn't kissed it until then, like they're, I don't think they're having sex. (laughs) And then. in that moment, Darrow talks about like the passion almost overtaking him, but like he right. like barely gets yeah, a hold of that, himself. That's another good point. Um, yeah, so I think that building love, I think that means that they were caring about each other. That's mm-hmm. where they built their first like real connection mm-hmm. as human beings and but came they to were understand not banging. Yeah, they came to understand each other on a new level. Yeah, but not a banging level. No. Okay. <laughs> Hi, mom. shout out to all the moms um but i do i just never i guess thought that they had gotten together another point is when cassius is basically like taunting taunting daryl before he cuts his arm off saying um or before daryl cuts cassius Mm -hmm. saying like you know she says my name when she's moaning or some shit like that trying to like get aroused out of darrow yeah that's a good point a rise out of darrow so just the way darrow reacts to that like the way that he kind of finally feels like he's uh not the way that darrow reacts to that sorry but the way that darrow reacts to them hooking up the Mm -hmm. 50 shades of red rising chapter the way that he reacts to that it's like this huge release like huge let go for him where he's like letting go of eo and i think that's clear on the page that He's been holding on to that for a really long time. And right. finally. And the tension has built and built. Right. And then it builds back up. <laughs> yes. All and right. Oh, my God. I just had a thought. What? When Mustang in these chapters is cutting Dare up, she's already had Pat. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. He has their kid in that moment. That's pretty crazy thing about it. I didn't think about that either. So his mask. When she is, sees his face. She's like, you're my baby daddy. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I just had that thought. Yeah. Damn. Damn, that is a good point. She's got like a little a little infant baby at this point. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow, that had to be super also, fucking way to, confusing for her. Way to like kick Darrow's ass just after you've had a baby. <laughs> like she's in great shape. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that question was from Cat Dark. Thank you very much. Yes. If you want to ask another question, just email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Or slide into our DMs, as Ben likes They're to say. They're always open. Slide in there. No nudes. <laughs> All right. What are we doing next episode on HowlerPod, Aaron? Morningstar, chapters 19 to 25. That's going to be chapters 19 through 25 in your read-along books, Morningstar by Pierce Brown. The Red Rising series. <laughs> okay. Where can you find us on social media? Social meds, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, email, howlerpod at gmail.com, H-O-W-L-E-R-P-O-D. Let's just type it in, howlerpod, one word. Thanks, howlers. We'll be there. Omnis ver lupus. Aloo! <laughs>